Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three and all the different kind of podcast channels. So here's the deal. All right. We had this big old ACC media days deep dive planned. We were going to set the table for next week when we get into the ACC win totals on Monday and Wednesday. By the way, if you would like to be a part of Wednesday, August 2nd's ACC win total show, like our guy Wade was for the Big 12, there is an eBay auction going on right now. We will send, we will put that link in this episode description. But then, as it seems to happen, nearly every single June or July, conference realignment reared its pretty little nose into our affairs. So we will be discussing Colorado and what looks like it is going to be a decision that is voted on later today on Thursday uh, to apply for membership at the Big 12 or the Big 12 is expected to accept after a unanimous vote late on Wednesday night. We will get into that uh, here in just a little bit. Mailbag questions, uh, continue to throw them in the big old bag of mail. Five-star review, put them in there. Today, we're just going to be hitting a lot of the live audience questions. I always like to hit an early bird. So Bryce was in here at 9.37 a.m. and he. Decided to get things started. So, Bryce, you get the early bird question of the day here on a Thursday. Bryce said, y'all mentioned May as a three to four win quarterback, talking about Drake May from the University of North Carolina. How many wins could a coaching staff be, hold rosters constant, and give Georgia's staff a six and six team in February? How many games are they winning next year? Seven. (laughs) That's a belief in... He's he's saying yeah. like if, if Georgia's staff or if any staff gets a, an FBS or Power Five average team, how many wins is a coaching staff worth? It's probably plus one to minus one, I would say. Right, especially now. Look, that's not saying that like the program trajectory is different, but you said give us the same roster. So we're Correct. talking about just in season coaching. Yeah, and we're going to assume that like they at least know who the players are, and they, they like it's. They're not like just taking over next week and 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 going from from scratch in fall camp. Uh, I I would say it's probably like maybe plus one to minus one over the course of an entire season mm-hmm. between the very best and the very worst. And, now, if and it's the, just me, you, and Chip, maybe like minus two, eleven and one. Um, it. I mean, this isn't just related to Georgia. I, I agree with you. I don't think the difference is that huge, but I think you could also argue that for a staff like Georgia when you have that much talent 
compared to a coaching staff that maybe has to coach up a lesser talented team? Like if you take a team like that, who's just like kind of, you know, rolling the ball out there and go get them boys. You're just better than everybody else. And now you put them in a situation where they maybe have to out coach their opponent. Might, you might win fewer games, honestly, with, with a team that was like, they might take the six and six team and end up going five and seven or four and eight, just because they're not used to having to scheme things up to fit that kind of player. And they, there'd be a learning curve for them. Um, I, I like that. My mind is like racing right now, trying to figure out, okay, so what program has the staff that is worth the most in terms of the wins that the staff is adding to the equation with the roster? I mean, I'm telling you, Kansas has just popped into my mind, but that's yeah, just because we've yeah. been talking about Big 12 all week. But that's that was the one, first one I was like, is is Kansas's staff worth a win or two based on like the personnel that it has? I mean, surely like the high-end talent, as we've talked about a lot, um, is there. But it's it ain't a roster that's like chocked full of dudes. No. They've got to figure out a way to, to out-coach some teams. And, and Lance Leipold and that group have done a pretty good job of it. Uh, Wake staff. Mm. Yes, Brennan Ren- yeah. at San Jose State, like sit, like just think about the places that, like, oh, they consistently win, and over the course of the last 150 years, they have sucked, right? Illinois like, staff, yeah, I think hey. for sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we were talking about that Michigan game last night, like that was like a coaching, you know, masterpiece. It was like, okay, there is one path for us to win this game, and they they put it in the game plan, they called it right, they executed everything. And then the ref screwed it up. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, I like that. And do we agree that for the high, high, high-end quarterbacks, quarterback is worth more plus oh, yes. minus wins than a coaching staff? Oh, yeah. Easily, yes. Like, if you put Caleb Williams on that 6-16, six and 16, they, they, might win, they might win eight or nine. Yeah. yeah. Like if, you take Nick, if you take Nick Saban off last year and you just put average FBS coach, but you keep Bryce Young, the record is far closer to what it was than if you took Bryce Young off, put average quarterback, and kept Nick Saban. And that's your 2023 Alabama Crimson Tide. <laughs> I do think, yeah, well, right. I do think the higher you go on the food chain, the more the players matter, right? Mm-hmm. The coaching, finding fit, finding a way to, to utilize sort of uh, like miscast pieces that maybe didn't work elsewhere, but you can find them to work in your system. Uh, at the very highest levels of the sport, I truly believe it's just get the absolute freakiest of athletes and then fit what you do to them, right? Otherwise, other places, like when you go lower down the food chain, it's like, get guys that can fit our system because we're really about the system. Well, and like, you know, gotta, this is the higher you get on the food chain and the more freaky dudes you have. That's also when we bring in, you know, my favorite thing, which is the, the whole, I don't know, interpersonal, like leading and being able to get people on the same page. I mean, Texas A&M had one of the most talented rosters in the country and didn't go to a bowl game last year. Like, there's, there's the the higher you get on the food chain, the more talented the locker room's going to be. The challenges are, are definitely going to be a little bit different along the way. I like that question, Bryce. All the listeners are fantastic. All was right. that Bryce Young that asked it? It was not Bryce Young that asked it. Um, but we must discuss uh, what the, the big news in college sports right now. There's a, a lot of levels to get to this. At 5 p.m. today, we are expecting, because technically Colorado has not applied for membership, but all the university presidents in the Big 12 have been like, well, if they do, wink, 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 then we unanimously approve this. Um, Tom, you 
we, we've sort of spun out a lot of different ways of what the next wave of conference realignment is going to be. And I think that like next moves might be the next part of this conversation, but for Colorado going back to the big 12, returning to the big 12, do you like the move? If you are Colorado, I like the move. If I'm Colorado simply because I have little confidence what the PAC 12 is doing and where the PAC 12 is going. So I think that if you're looking at that situation, getting some kind of stability with the television deal, because like, George Klyovkov can say whatever he wants when they're doing the Pac-12 media days on Friday. The presidents of the schools in the 80s can keep saying what they want about the television contract. But the fact is, they don't have a TV contract yet. And the fact that they don't have one after all this time kind of tells you everything you need to know about what kind of offers they're getting. They could say the longer we wait, the more suitors we get. It's like, yeah, but those suitors are probably coming in trying to buy extremely low on your inventory. So I think if you're Colorado, this is probably, you know, you, you gave them a chance. It's not like you were rushing to get out. You were doing your due diligence. You've been sitting there for a long time. The offers that you're looking for and the money that you were looking for hasn't come in, so you're making the move. That said, the Big 12 you're going back to, it's not the Big 12 you left. I tweeted it this morning. Here is the list of schools that were in the Big 12 the last time Colorado was there, the 2010 season. Baylor, Colorado, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech. Of those schools, Colorado left, but it's coming back. Missouri's gone. Nebraska's gone. Oklahoma's gone. Texas is gone. Texas A&M is gone. They've been replaced by BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, TCU, UCF, and West Virginia. It's like moving back home after college to find out your parents have rented your room to a bunch of vagrants. It is not the same Big 12 that you left, but it is a better situation than the one you currently have, apparently, in the Pac-12. And we don't know, like you mentioned, we don't know exactly what the next move is going to be. I don't think the Big 12 plans on sitting at, what, 13 schools now? No, I I agree. Okay, so, Bud, if you're Colorado, do you like this? Yeah, because of the certainty, right? I mean, Colorado, they went to the Pac-12 because they wanted to be closer to California for recruiting purposes, both in terms of student-athletes, but also in terms of academics. Uh, I guess Dion is having an outsized impact in their choices, and Dion is a, a Texas guy. Or I mean, I know he grew up in Florida and played at, at FSU, but he um, makes his home in Texas, so I, I guess he's having some influence there. I mean, Look, if you're Colorado, you're, you're kind of in no man's land. You're not really a Big 12 team as far as geography, but you're not that far off now, especially since they've, they've expanded with, with BYU and some of those schools. And you're not truly a Pac-12 team. I mean, you're, but yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Like, I, If I'm a Colorado fan, I am probably happy that I'm on more solid footing now than I was. I don't think Colorado is going to miss any of the uh, – annual games i'm not even going to call them rivalries because i don't think they are rivalries at this point i don't think colorado will miss any of the annual games uh, that they have been playing in the pac-12 maybe they miss having that you know uh, trip to the west coast to play one of the la schools but that was going away anyway because those schools are going to the big 10 i am interested in seeing the domino effects of this and i don't want to jump the gun i know we'll we'll get there but uh, i think it is premature to judge the entirety of this move to see who else goes with them. Is this a, a UConn or is it like somebody else within the Pac-12? Yeah, the what I've uh, the, the sense that I have gotten is that Brett Yormark wants to be at 14. He wants mm-hmm. that league to be at 14, maybe bigger, but in losing Texas and Oklahoma, they would drop back down to 12. 
And I, you know, there's there's the wrinkle as it's been reported that in the Big 12's deal with ESPN and Fox, uh, there are financial incentives to expansion rather than you know being worried that you're just going to have to cut up the pie. There will be more money added to it. Yeah, they have the full share. Yeah, it's Colorado. If it's a Power Five school. Yeah, Colorado's going to get thirty-one point two million dollars, which is going to put them right on par with you know, the ACC, everybody else in the Big 12. Like this is a, to me, a a smart financial move for Colorado. But Bud, you're right. The next step can fork off in many directions. And man, it is so frustrating around this time because, you know, you get like lightly connected. Somebody gets on there is like, I think I know the the other team, the other school that's leaving and it might surprise you. You're like, (laughs) well, what would, I mean, well, this is all a little bit surprising. I mean, but does anything surprise us with coffee? If we're going to couch it, 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 like if we're going to couch this kind of reporting in like this other team that might be leaving, just say the school name. Mm-hmm. You're already equivocating with the word might. Yeah. I So, Bud, you mentioned yeah, the UConn. There's a lot of like expansionist Twitter accounts that pop up every couple of years. And, and mm, it's, t- it's tough I'm, to think it's tough to trace. But what what do you think? How, how do you think this forks off? So uh, I don't think the UConn stuff is entirely fake. That is not me saying that that UConn will be going to the Big 12. I do not know, right? I don't really do the the expansion reporting for the most part. If there's any legitimate interest in UConn, it is clearly a bet that Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, thinks that basketball is undervalued Mm -hmm. in the current college landscape. Now, there have been a lot of rumblings that they're going to allow overtime kids to come back and play college hoops and they're going to allow G League kids to come back and play college hoops. And this is actually not entirely unprecedented. If you Google like Miami, Ohio, and their hockey program, at one point they had dudes who legitimately had played in the NHL on their expansion hockey program. So at one time, back in the 70s, the NHL or the the NCAA did allow uh, for things like that. Maybe this is a bet on that. And I do think if you are a good enough basketball league, clearly like basketball is not going to be on the same footing as football. Uh, I I, I hope Brett Yormark does not think that. But due to the way the NCAA tournament is trending, the power league's desire to maybe try to take that thing back, that does still make a lot of money. The way this was explained to me by somebody who I do trust was that if they get good enough at hoops, it makes it really hard to exclude them from the future of football if you're worried about a power two. So maybe like the hoops is their their hook, even though we know the football in the Big 12 like they don't have anybody who recruits at a consistent, even top 15 level, right? Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't expect that to change. So they're not a national title contending league, even though TCU made the title game. But may, I, I kind of read into the UConn rumors that Yormark really values basketball. Yeah, I mean, that's that's 100. He very much values basketball. I mean, he's had the, uh, the Rucker I mean, Park. Yeah, he had the Rucker Park camp in New York last week or the week before. I mean, this is, it is weird. If you are just a college football fan, like Colorado is getting, I think from a PR standpoint, being being the Big 12, being able to say we've taken another school from another Power 5 program, because that is they've lost schools to other Power 5 programs. None of the replacements they've had have come from P5s. This is right. the first one. So that, I think, is good PR. But Colorado, while I love it, is not exactly, you know, it's not a program that's going to come in and be a dominant kind of powerhouse, or at least it hasn't shown an ability to in 30 years. Maybe it can get back to it. But then like UConn, throwing that in there, it's just, it's like, huh, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, UConn football, a program that has 
been through a lot of conferences in recent years and has had a strong basketball program throughout, but really hasn't added anything of value to the football conferences once they join, even with that basketball program. So maybe there, I, I definitely think there's room to grow on the basketball side of television wise, but I think all that room is in the NCAA tournament. I don't know how much room there is to grow as far as like the regular season revenue that they get. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what kind of overall impact that would have on the conference. I think, Bud, what you, you were saying a second ago is right. I think they're just kind of using basketball as a hook to stay connected to the big two because they know they're going to need them in the NCAA tournament. But I don't know. Like, Brent Yormark has done some very smart things, I think, as far as dealing with the hand he's been dealt, like getting in the TV deal that if we add P5s, we're just going to add a share because that makes it more attractive for schools that they're trying to draw in. But I, I just, I'm not completely sold on the UConn. There's also been talk of the Gonzaga coming as a yeah. basketball-only school. I just, I I wouldn't put too many of my eggs in the basketball basket. But at the same time, maybe if you just feel like this is really the best shot we've got, let's play our, let's play the hand we've been dealt and see what we get. Maybe we get lucky on the river. Who knows? Yeah, the Colorado. I mean, Georgia's going to sign, sorry, but Georgia's going to sign more blue chip prospects than the entire new Big 12 combined, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least like, like more guys in the top two, four, seven. So maybe do you go get the best available basketball program or do you go get like the 60th best football program? And that's putting it charitable. Like that's kind of Colorado's ceiling, you know, I don't know. So this particular move is not the, like the one that would trigger the Gonzaga situation. I think the Gonzaga situation exists on an Island. Mm -hmm. I think that UConn probably is having some tough discussions internally about whether it wants to do this because, you know, the big, big East has been really good for UConn ever since they got back. This has been the rise and, and look, they just I, won a national title or something, you know, <laughs> and, and their head coach who they really love and who embraces everything about it. He kind of likes, you know, that big East footprint and the, the way that things exist up there and to all of a sudden be joining this conference, which stretches across the whole continental United States, like, yes, you would be playing against Kansas and Houston and like these massive basketball programs, but in like potentially even Gonzaga, that's where if, if it's Colorado, but then UConn and you're also adding Gonzaga, like now you've got yourself a really good basketball pitch. You add, if you just add Colorado and UConn, then like, is UConn happy with that experience? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, so let's one final piece of this. What what's going on in the Pac-12 office right now? I don't know. I mean, what's the it's Pac-12 a- group chat looking like as when it says Colorado has left the conversation. I I think he has uh, not great cards, but I don't think that that Klyakov has played them particularly well. Right. Um, note like some notable missteps just in my mind when he said. Deion Sanders is a big part of our TV rights deal going forward. Well, now it looks like Colorado mm-hmm. is leaving. I maintain that regardless of who the coach is, even like a Nick Saban level guy, your conference needs to be bigger than to be pitching a, a, a coach uh, for its, t- its TV deal. And then last week, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically kind of intimated that the the storm was over, right? In, in that response that so we, we were all in that room. I don't have his exact quote in front of me. so. Uh, look, Colorado leaving could be a sign that the Pac-12 does not have a deal coming. I think we can't totally infer that. It could just be Colorado wants to get to the Big 12 and, and it has more confidence in the leadership of the Big 12. So I don't want to be like, that means nothing is coming. Uh, but 
it does make me wonder. I mean, like, yeah, I don't think if you can keep the remaining schools, there's nine left. If you can keep them all, I don't think it's impossible to replace Colorado. I think if you get a San Diego State or somebody, you're you're going to keep on keeping on, and it's really not going to hurt your value too much. It's just now that Colorado is left. I mean, if Klyovkov is up there last week saying how well, we've we've ridden out the storm, and then Colorado leaves, well, that storm is still raging. And you know, like, is Arizona going to follow them? Because Arizona has not exactly been shy <laughs> oh yeah that was, that's the other part about the basketball conference mm-hmm. yeah then you get arizona too and all yeah. of a sudden it's like well arizona's media especially their, their like fan site media has been really all about we're going to leave arizona administration uh, does not seem to have the same fervor for it so i'm curious like is arizona's admin just keeping a a strong Pac-12 public face while doing some stuff behind the scenes, which is certainly possible, right? Yeah, like there's absolutely a chance that the Arizona media knows what's really going on and that the Arizona admin is just kind of doing lip service in public. There's also a chance that this is a bit of wish casting on their part and that the Pac-12 really has no, Arizona has no desire to leave the Pac-12. I, I don't know. Arizona seems like it it could potentially be a candidate. Oregon and Washington are arguably the biggest brands, right? The most valuable properties that the PAC 12 still has within its membership. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you expect either of those schools to be involved with this? Like do, is that a situation where they are among the next out the door or do they end up being nice, you know, a nice addition if the whole thing falls apart? I, I have no idea, but just pure, common sense wise i think that they would go somewhere together and i think conferences would want them together not because of the rivalry not but just for travel reasons like if you're oregon or washington and whether you join the big 12 or the big 10 or the acc or sec whatever conference you leave for that's a lot of traveling you'd like to have somebody close by like there's a reason usc and ucla both went to the big 10 and not just usc so if one of them leaves i feel like both of them would have to go to that conference. So if they follow Colorado to the Big 12, then I think somebody else is coming with them, whether that's a Utah, one of the Arizona schools, or UConn, or maybe even Gonzaga is like, all right, screw it, let's play football too. So it's just, yeah, I I can't rule it out at this point. I don't think anything is imminent, but I didn't think Colorado was going to be joining the Big 12 yesterday or today. So here we are. Bud, any, any, any predictions? Before we hit the break and uh, get back into some of these live live questions and ACC talk, uh, I I predict that Colorado will not be the last team to announce that it is leaving a conference uh, before we kick off football season. What if it's like Stanford? What if that would just be the ultimate kind of like you know like huh? Stanford to the Big Twelve? Yeah, Stanford's like screw it. Oh, Let's go farming, boys. <laughs> I mean, with with that little like, and it's one you might not be thinking of. I was like, and and that. Oh, it makes me so angry because I fall for it every single time. I'm like, so what am I not thinking of? Is it Oregon State? <laughs> like, like this, the Oregon State and Washington State are the one, and like Stanford and Cal are the ones where I'm like, man, I don't know what happens. But Oregon it, Big Twelve would 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 shock me. Would shock, oh, right? You. Yeah, yeah. Like hey, or, yeah. Oregon Big Twelve, Big Com- Ten, no. Competitively, 12, yes. competitively. Or it'd be it good for him. Better yeah. off in the Big 12 than in the Big 10. But that's a lot of traveling to every well, single game. 
Oregon has legit NIL money, and there's a very good chance that once USC is gone, Oregon has the best roster in the Pac-12, and maybe by a good margin if they keep spending. And I think Dan Lanning does a hell of a job there. So, I think Oregon would have I mean, the best roster in the Big 12. Yeah, I would agree. I think the Big 12 is probably more competitive, but it has less top-end teams. Right, like, I was saying like, competitive. Washington like, might win the new Big like 12. Oregon jumps Utah into the Big, the Big 10, 12. they fall to sixth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, they join the Big Twelve. They jump to one. Agreed, but you could stay in the Pac twelve. You still have three more years upcoming, right, of guaranteed playoff spots, and stay on the West Coast and kind of survey the landscape. So I, I would be surprised if Oregon jumped to the Big Twelve, unless it was allowed to sign some kind of like really really short TV deal. Yeah, I will say as long if Oregon and Washington stay in the Pac twelve, and then another school leaves, and they're down to eight, they're not going to be competing i mean oregon and washington would dominate the conference but just as a college football fan that pack eight would still be a pretty interesting conference to me Mm. coming up on the other side a lot of debate yesterday about whether west virginia is or is not the worst team in the big 12 okay so if it's not west virginia who is it that and more from acc football kickoff next Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, Tom Fernelli, Bud Elliott, uh, Bud and I in Charlotte for the ACC football kickoff. And uh, of course, you know, in addition to talking Colorado here on a Thursday, taking some of the questions from those of you who are hanging out with us. And look, we see the numbers. Lots of y'all are hanging out. Do us a favor. Hit that subscribe. Hit that like. We appreciate it in advance. This question from Don says, question for Tom. Yesterday, you said that you don't think West Virginia is the worst team in the Big 12. Who do you think is? This year? Yes. Probably Houston would be my number one candidate if it's not West Virginia, simply because with Dana on the hot seat, with how many key players they lost from last year's team, that could snowball and spiral out really quickly. I think Cincinnati has a chance to be pretty bad this year if things don't work out first. I mean, Scott Satterfield's not a first-year head coach, but his first year with the program, a lot of key players from that team over the last few years that was winning a lot of games have moved on. I'm not super confident in the QB situation there. Not super confident with them in the, in the offensive and defensive lines right now either, at least not where not I was good. the last few years. Yeah, so that could be bad. Um, I think I think overall, not the worst program, but I think like Bud has talked about a lot, depending on possible suspensions for Iowa State, I think this this year, Iowa State could be the worst team in the Big 12. I think Kansas, it's not completely, we shouldn't just assume Kansas isn't going to regress to the norm. We can't just assume it. That's possible. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's possible. So not with that two-in coaching staff. Come on. The thing about the Big 12 is and we go over it like it's a very fun and exciting league simply because there really isn't anybody in that league right now that you view as being miles ahead of anybody else. And now that Kansas kind of took that step forward last year, there isn't a defined doormat. Like the gap between the top and the bottom in the big 12, I think is closer than any other league. We talk about the PAC 12 has having a lot of good teams at the top, but like the gap between that top tier and the second tier is huge. I don't think the gap between the tiers and the Big 12 is big at all. I think that's what's so appealing about the league. Yeah, you. I mean, you guys both run your run your own numbers. I feel like there's a lot of twos 
at the bottom. You know, it's like there's not like a negative 10, right? Like, yeah. like there's yeah. there, there are like perfectly fine. Like the bottom of the conference is an average FBS football team. You know, you drop them anywhere beyond being in the power five and like they'd be all right you know they'd be okay but in they terms could use of a uconn honestly like U- uconn i would project to, to probably go over in the league if, yeah. if they played like oh well i mean granted like like you're gonna win one so like they're probably a one and eight but every, everybody like, would boost their resume by getting to play uconn the acc and the pac-12 they've got some negatives in there you know mm-hmm. and you, God, yeah. just you're not it saying that you're the worst team in the big 12 what i'm saying if you're the worst team in the big 12 you are not horrendous. You're just probably going to finish at the bottom of the standings. Yeah, you might be four and eight. It, right. The only way I could see like a negative 10 in the Big 12, honestly, um, is, as Tom said, the Iowa State suspensions. I don't want to go over that. We've got a lot of show to get to. Or a quit factor type thing. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the coaching staff's getting fired. Everybody knows it. You got guys who are you know, already thinking about where they're going for their next their, their, their next season or, or maybe just going to the NFL uh, and they've kind of kind of hung it up like at that point you can drop a team to like a negative 10 like what was liberty last year when they knew hugh freeze was gone <laughs> like what's the mid-season adjustment no, like okay yeah. hey power rating wise liberty is kind of a pain in the ass this year because right. you have to figure out like okay they played up in like four or five games last year they also completely did not show up for hugh freeze and three others and got blown out at home by new mexico state right so which if you're an auburn fan you're like the inconsistency of this kind of like we saw that at Ole Miss too, right? Like they would play up for Bama and then have unbelievable losses uh, at, at other times. The consistency is not exactly the hallmark of of a freeze team, but yeah, like barring a quit thing, we're really off the rails here. I apologize. Now, listen, I, this is what our, our listeners demand. And and by the way, if you guys have not seen Jerry Kill's tattoo that he had honoring the 2022 season, I mean, it is electric stuff. That thing covers an entire bicep, and like. I mean, Jerry Kill's not yoked, but he's got a big bicep. I mean, this is a massive tattoo. And it looks awesome. It's 25. Jerry Kill's a fun feet. grandpa, right? What? Yes. Yes. Like, like when, yes. When grandpa Jerry Kill comes over, everybody's like, like, yeah, <laughs> yes. I, for sure. Also, like, Grandpa Kill is just an awesome name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. A couple other news headlines that we haven't even gotten a chance to, uh, to get to as we've been working through a lot of our win totals, a lot of our media day conversations. Um, it appears as though Jim Harbaugh, in an agreement with the NCAA for misleading statements during the NCAA's investigation will be suspended for four games. Those four games are not games of massive significance to the Michigan Wolverines in terms of what we are expecting to be the most challenging games on their schedule, but still will be four games without Jim Harbaugh. Um, what do you, do you think that this is a, a punishment that ends up having any major impact on Michigan this season? No. <laughs> is it a dumb punishment for a dumb yes. violation? It's it all well, essentially it boils down to what being suspended four games for buying hamburgers. Well, no, for no, lying, I, I think there's more to it. Okay. Yeah, I I there's no way that this is just about hamburgers, right? That's kind of the Michigan media line. I, and the lying part is what they get you on, right? Yeah. I, look, all incidentally punishments I think are silly. Yes. Uh, now, I'm not mad that you spilled the milk. I'm mad that you lied about it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I do think that this is this is sort of the Herm Edwards thing, right? Where like, everybody was pretty strict about some of the stuff that was going on during the during the the, the pandemic restrictions. Mm-hmm. So, I 
I do think there's a little bit of like, hey, we, we did all agree to like actually follow this stuff. And I'm sure every school did something, but some schools did more than others. Like, I don't think anybody was doing exactly what Arizona State was doing. Like, I very much doubt Harbaugh had kids taking selfies in his office dirt, like like that on, on their unofficial officials that they were running when nobody was even having unofficials, like what happened at Arizona State. But I think there's more to it than just a hamburger. Hypothetical. Let's go. Let's say the NCAA suspends Harbaugh four games. What happens if Harbaugh just says no and keeps coaching? <laughs> like, I mean, what what does the NCAA really end up doing? Pull the well, away? I mean, no, but don't run the playoff. That's why they're trying to do the that's mutual resolution thing, right? Like, he he signs something, they sign something. It's like, we won't punish the program as much, Ben. You'll set out these games and you know, this, that, or the other. I I think that if you agree to a if you agree to a mutual resolution and then buck on it, I mean that that'd be we would talk about Jim Harbaugh like the biggest outlaw in college football. Is this is this tail not wagging the dog situation right here? Like, if you're the Big yeah. Ten in the Michigan and just you can just say no and then go do whatever the hell you want. The NCAA can't do anything. They don't run the playoff. They can't keep you out of it. What are they going to? We'll vacate wins five years from now. Oh no. I. I do think so many of these punishments we're going to look back and be like, you know how we look back on the Trezzle thing now? Yes. Remember, oh, yeah. like, like, yes. like this guy lost his job because play, players got tattoos and he misled the NCAA about it. I think we're going to look back on this kind of stuff in five or 10 years and that, w- once kids get revenue shared, which I don't know if you guys saw that because there's a lot of stuff going on yesterday. I'm not trying to pivot away from Harbaugh here, but that little proposal that was put out uh, by some of the collectives and I think some of the ADs on some of these schools are on board with it, that they need to start revenue sharing with mm-hmm. uh, w- from the TV deals with, with, with the players. Interesting what schools were uh, were into that proposal, by the way. Which mostly, ones were they? I, I mostly from I the power, too, but also uh, FSU and Clemson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the schools I, I, would some be chance. The schools well, would do revenue sharing or the conferences the, would do revenue sharing? Well, that's a question, right? Because the whole Title IX, Title Seven thing, which is unclear, but may have a better shot to, I mean, we're, we're getting into kind of legal stuff here. And I'm not an employment lawyer. Uh, we did have a couple of employment lawyers who DM me who had very kind of, they disagreed with each other after the last time that we talked about that. But that one kind of caught my eye, right? Like the deadline to announce to get out of the ACC is August 15th. If you're Florida State or if you're Clemson or if you're one of these schools wait the deadline non- to announce to get out of the acc for what do you mean like august 15th of this of this if year you want to play in another league next year you have to announce by august 15th if you're you gotta and look they're not going to revenue share this thing next year so no. you know but why in the hell would you uh, like be on board with, with revenue sharing tv money when you're about to be getting a quarter of the tv money as the other leagues i think that tells you all you need to know about this acc stuff they're at right now like I don't think Clemson and FSU are long for this league. I think they'll do anything they can do to get out. Are they going to the Big 12? Whether it's the Florida State Saudi Knowles, I don't know. But <laughs> they going to the Big 12? Florida State and Clemson going to the Big 12? Uh, I mean, if they are, if they're on equal revenue share, I guess. But well, like, the, I, I, I don't think Florida and State and Clemson know the number. And here's what I mean by the number, because this is the way that Bubba Cunningham explained it. He said, you know, you say, um, all right, we're going to leave the conference, and there is an exit fee, and that exit fee has a number. And then there is uh, contractually that you are granting all of your TV rights money back to the ACC. And you can you know, calculate, estimate what that would be based on future earnings and the existing contracts. But then you would go to the ACC in court and you would say, 
this isn't fair. And then the ACC would say, okay, we'll settle for this. And this is what Bubba Cunningham was saying is no one knows the number. No one knows what the settlement number would be to challenge the grant of rights to try to leave the ACC. The settlement number drops every year moving forward, which is why my general stance is that the ACC is fine for a couple of years. But it, I, it would be remarkable, bud, if Florida State or Clemson made a challenge by August 15th with hopes of getting into another conference for 2024 because I think that the settlement number is still huge Lord. and it would take uh, a foreign investment fund to be able yeah. to like reach that number. If you would if need, Florida State sold out to the Saudis, team. would you be okay with that? If it meant you I mean, could win a national title? Well, you wouldn't win a national title because you'd I'll, go be fifth place in the SEC. I don't drive a Tesla, so I guess, yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like, like we, oils and everything. Um, you know, yeah. I, look, I just, I, I read into that, the press release. Mm -hmm. You don't try to speed up the process of revenue sharing with athletes from the TV deal if your TV deal sucks. That doesn't mean they're out this year, but like I, it does, I think, mean that like they're not, you know, if it was the over under was five, I, I think I would go under five now for sure. Cool. Question for the chat. Would you be okay with the Saudis buying your football your program team. if it meant you can win national titles? Yeah, let's see. Yeah. Or any other private equity. Okay. Like, or, or any other private equity group, right? Like, if it's a PE group and they're not ESG, like, would that bother you? Or do they need to be like an ESG? Like, does it need to be clean, you know, at, at private equity? No. I, I'm, we're getting a lot of no's and a few yeses. Shout out to Sport Geek. <laughs> what it, now, what if the PIF bought the ACC and the CW? They, they use that connection that with, with money. With Live Golf to be able to like they, work right. their way in. Wouldn't it be yeah, the worst exactly. investment they've ever made? Let's... <laughs> um, yeah, I. We'll, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm just saying, like, did LSU take money from a children's cancer hospital? Yes. Yes. But like, I, I've reached the point where, like, if the Saudis bought the White Sox and I got Jerry Reinsdorf out of my life, like. It's one of those kind of like eh, call it little column A, column B situations. It's like it's bad, but it's good. Oh. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Notre Dame strength coach resigning. Did that raise any like flags or concerns? I've, I've read this both ways. I've read one way, which is like, like, yeah, like, oh, this isn't good. And I've read the other way, which is because um, there was the concern about the timing. They're like, fall camp's about to open. And it's like, yeah, but it also means that his time with the players is done. Right. I mean, the coaching staff takes over from here and mostly takes care of things moving forward. Like you've got your trainers. There's obviously a lot going on, but the big, you know, the, I am the coach for the summer for the off season workouts type stuff. A lot of that work is done, right? Um, I read it as a news dump on a day when a lot of wild stuff was coming out. And like, uh, that's just my read on it. I don't have details. The timing, like, do I read into the timing? Yes, but in the opposite direction. In the opposite direction, like, ooh, quick. Let's go ahead and get this out now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know this specifically. It's just that I think back to when Notre Dame hired Freeman, a big reason behind the move was staff continuity. And now a lot of members of that staff have since moved on to other jobs for whatever reason. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's bad. I don't know if it's good. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's, it's a, it's an odd thing considering one of the reasons Freeman was promoted. Notre Dame fans in the chat. Do you now wish that you would have waited two months to get Luke Fickle? Oh, 
I don't know. Um, and then, you should have just asking. Yeah. What about uh, and Tom Jim Leonard? What's up, buddy? Oh, so I was so happy to hear that news the other day. Um, no, it's good. Like I, it's good for two reasons to me, honestly, because I think Jim Leonard is a very good defensive coordinator mind kind of football coach, and he will be a valuable asset to the Illini staff. But it's also good to me because hiring somebody like that as an analyst is something big boy programs do. Illinois is acting like a big boy program now, which is something Illinois football has not done during my time being, you know, following Illinois football. They have always been kind of the mom and pop operation, but now they're being big boys. I like that a lot. Shout out to Brett Bielma. He found a spot where he can go and cook. Got some good investment. Love to see it for Tom's beloved fighting Illini. Coming up on the other side, as Bud mentioned, it has been a wild, wild week in college sports. And and yes, we're here at the ACC football kickoff. So some of our biggest takeaways, some of our thoughts on the league as a whole, that and more next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, a question from the chat. Scott Lloyd says, question with ACC media days coming to an end, which teams in the conference do you think could surprise us the most? and exceed expectations. Come on, bud. Say Boston College. I mean, they definitely have the schedule to do it, right? And part of their problems last year were offensive line. They played like 10 guys, at least 100 snaps, and they had a D-lineman snapping one game, like literally snapping one game that was playing D-line like two weeks prior. Um, BC, for sure. I, like, I don't love what Pitt does on offense. But they're not, they don't do what they do poorly, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like that's kind of the best way I can put it. Like, I don't always love their philosophy. I think from like a game management perspective, Narduzzi sometimes has like leaks in his game. But they're not like they have a lot of really small edges that they exploit. Like they win a lot of D line stuff, I mean, talent certainly, but also like playing really hard and physical, excellent technique. They, they're great with their with their hands heart and hustle like they get a lot of a lot of wins up front like that it's not it's not crazy to see Pitt like you know winning 10 ball games do I think they will no but I mean there's a real chance the rest of this league past like the top four or five teams just kind of sucks you know so I mean for the purposes of an exceed expectations conversation let's just say uh throw out Clemson throw out Florida State throw out Louisville where the expectations have been continuing to rise as the biggest secret in college football the Louisville football schedule has continued to be leaked out among uh, people. And maybe you want to short that stock and you think that they're actually going to you know, not be able to meet it. So let's throw out those. Who do you think is able, Tom, who comes to mind as a team that would exceed expectations? I don't know. Like if you're taking the, like, I feel like the ACC is more than anything going to be exactly what we think it's going to be this year. Like Bud was just kind of mentioning, there's going to be four pretty good teams and there could be a lot of, bad to slightly below average teams after that and it's just jockeying for a few wins here and there like i don't know if there's going to be a nine win duke this year in the acc yeah maybe i guess you could say the surprise duke is duke four and a half tank- to start the year yeah, yeah. like we, we, we bet over on duke last year yes mm-hmm. yeah like duke i guess again could be the surprise team it could you know over you know overplay what expectations are but i don't think there's like Georgia Tech, I don't think, is going to suddenly bow up and win eight games. I don't think, I think Wake's going to continue being Wake. NC State's going to continue being NC State. Syracuse might get to a bowl game. I don't know. I don't think there's a team that's going to make like a leap. 
Because I expect, like, Miami was dog doo-doo last year. I expect Miami to improve, even if it's not great. And I think that kind of takes away some of the air or room for another team to kind of jump up and take advantage of that. So I don't think there's going to be a huge surprise. I think you're going to have a decent number of ranked teams in the ACC this year because I I, I do think that, like, the bottom of the league is bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know. A lot of that 20 to 25 range. A lot, yeah. Like they're, the ACC will have a lot of, yeah, exactly. And they'll probably rotate somewhere between like others receiving votes and then they're in and then they lose and then they're back up. Yeah. Um, have you guys filled out your CBS Sports 133 ballots yet? No. I didn't get one. <gasps> Ooh, you want to fill mine out? Just, no. I, just I, use I, your power I, rating, send them to me real quick so that way I can get it done in five minutes. <laughs> so spots 20 through 45 are sponsored by. Food Lion and the Atlantic Coast Conference. They got a <laughs> lot of teams, like a lot of the conference on my ballot is not in the top 20, but they are all over that sort of like 20 to 40 range because like NC State, Wake Forest, Duke, Pitt, good football teams, not excellent football teams, not competing for championships football teams, but I fill out 50 spots for my 133 ballot. So like I'm putting together a top 50 every single week. They're all top 50 teams, but they're just not top 20 teams. Mm-hmm. So that's what I feel like in the, to your point, I would be, I, I would expect that you're going to wrote, you're going to pop in at 24, maybe do two weeks, lose, drop down somebody else who beats you then takes your spot. And, um, and that'll, that'll be where we see a lot of those groups, a lot of those teams that are in that like middle six of the non-divisional ACC standings uh, going on. All right, bud, uh, where do you want to turn your spotlight? What's, what's been a big takeaway from, uh, from we've gotten through everybody, but Clemson, Wake, and NC State. Uh, Clemson was up at 11. Uh, Wake and State are coming up this afternoon. A lot of the ACC so far, what's stood out to you? Um, so Brent Pry saying that the administration understands it's going to be a slow build. Is not exact, and that's a paraphrase. I, I mean, we're, it's the podcast trying to you know be accurate with the paraphrasing, but that's essentially the the gist. Doesn't make, give me warm fuzzies, but let's go to Clemson. Should Clemson be the league favorite? Is a pretty hot topic here. Most people would agree that they should be. It, but the better question to me is, if they had used the transfer portal, is it even a debate? Right, and I contend it would not be. If you look at some of the guys that Florida State added with the portal. If Clemson, they were on Clemson's team, it would be a wrap. If Jaheim Bell from South Carolina goes to Clemson instead of going to Florida State, and now all of a sudden Clemson's offense has a like stud tight end. Or Coleman. Or Keon right. Coleman from Michigan. Dane Brugler for the Athletic has Coleman as the fourth receiver in the draft. Yeah. Like I there's a real chance that Johnny Wilson is now FSU's number two receiver. You know, uh, and that they have a apparently uh Keon Coleman windmill dunked in jeans and loafers at Norvell's house because all the guys were talking they were like uh this ain't normal and Jared Verse was like oh I'm the best basketball player on the team and, until Keon came and then now, and look, now we all kind of I'm not gonna like nitpick the question because I, I definitely agree with the the idea of it being a debate but you even mentioned at the beginning of the portal it was not a great offensive line portal cycle right so like I don't know if there was an option there for Clemson to be able to go and beef up an offensive line that you know has been a place of concern wide receiver there were dude like if there are wide receivers yeah there are wide receivers that landed at other places if they had shown up at clemson we would have felt differently 
um, about that defensive end. There were defensive ends that you could go and get and be able to upgrade. I, I, I think that Clemson is the favorite to win it, but I agree that if even if they had even had three notable transfer portal additions to address their needs. And that's the thing, like, like I understand what Dabo is trying to do with like, we are, we recruit really well. We trust our player evaluation. We want to develop these guys, but like, if you just, you don't need to have a 25 player portal class, but you might need six or you might need five. If they're the right guys, it can't just be Hunter Johnson and bear Bryant's great grandson. Like you need to be able to, like bring in some instant impact players. I think Clemson's a favorite, but I agree with you. It wouldn't be a debate if they had had those key additions. I predict that Clemson will use the transfer portal next year. I think can, things will be changing there. You can find OKGs in the portal just like you can find them in high school. Yeah. Chat saying that Eric McLean from the ACC Network claims Clemson didn't use the portal because they don't have any open spots. And I respect Eric McLean, but that's because some of the bottom of the Clemson's roster is just kind of charity scholarships for these OKG types. You could you could adjust some of those offers and, and the way that like things are being handled there at the bottom if if you wanted to do it. So your Bud's prediction, we see Clemson adding notable contributors uh next year. Next yeah, year I do believe that. Yeah. I I think that just based on things that I have heard that are in the works, yes. Um Tom, have you get picked up on any ACC stuff? Uh no. Sorry, yesterday was kind of hectic around here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't want to rule. I didn't want to like butt you out of the conversation. I mean, honestly, why would I pay attention to that league? It's barely even a power five anymore. So, you know, um, I <laughs> like dead. I liked that Jeff Brom, and this was on Tuesday. Jeff Brom returned to Louisville, like everything about it. You know, we even talked about it with Wade, but like, man, he. It, it fascinated me that he feels like the kind of weight and the kind of pressure to be able to deliver because he doesn't want to let everybody down. And that's like a very familial thing, right? Like your parents have like really invested in you to, you know, they've like taken you to all the practices. They've like hooked you up with all the stuff like, and, and maybe not everybody feels this way, but like you also, you want to be able to, to deliver on that. And it's like, they didn't have to move heaven and earth thanks to Scott Satterfield stepping out stage left, but like they have poured a lot into this. And but you got to talk to him too. Like he knows the schedule's easy. Like going six and six in year one means that the Louisville Cardinals have lost games that they were favored and maybe multiples that they've been favored. And then you would be like, man, that was a that was a disappointing season. It's wild that he steps in with 25 players coming from the portal, like really piecemealing this thing together. The roster looks like pretty good, but it is mostly scheduled. That has a lot of people thinking that Louisville might be fourth in the final non-division ACC standings. We had literally seen Jeff Brom take Purdue to the Big Ten title game in large part because he did a good job, coach, like basically maximize what their roster was and because that was the year they did not have to play Michigan and Ohio State from the East. Like he's done this before. I, I straight up asked him. I said, hey, like, it's kind of a weird question to ask and you know, equivocate a little bit with this, but year one, do you feel pressure to win because all the computers say you have the easiest league schedule, which, and by a lot, to be honest. And he, of course, did like the, hey, we don't want to disrespect any of our opponents thing, like, like blah, blah, blah. But he said, yes, absolutely. We feel a lot of pressure to get off to a good start 
I put a ton of pressure on myself because I really believe this job has a lot of potential. And I, my job is to win football games. Like he used the word win, I don't know, 40 or 50 times in a, in a 25 minute presser. It, 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 he's like, it helps us establish it like a great recruiting start. And he did not back down from expectations. Who has a better record? This uh, this question from Andrew. Uh, who has a better record this year? Purdue in year one under Ryan Walters or Louisville in year one under Jeff Brom? Louisville. Louisville. By, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they doubled him up. If you count the bowl game. Purdue could finish like six in the Big Ten West this year. That's what I'm saying. Like they could yeah. go five and seven and Louisville could go like 10 and three, you mm-hmm. know, w- including a bowl win. Hudson card and an air raid offense doesn't excite you. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just. I think he might be fine. Yeah. I, but Louisville just straight up took their left tackle, Eric Miller. And mm-hmm. they also lost some other guys. So Branson Dean, the, the guy they got that, that Miami took, their, their D tackle, I think probably plays a lot for Miami. So you're losing impact players to schools that don't mess around in NIL. Like there's a serious market for them. You know. Yeah. Uh, but in, anything else that uh, you want to highlight before we get out of here? Two very frustrating teams uh, to try to handicap in the preseason for me. Uh, one, Chips Tar Heels, right? Mm-hmm. Because they have such a known commodity in, in Drake May. Uh, and I just have no idea if they're going to be physical and mentally tough and play illicit defense. Because if they are, they're like a legitimate threat to win the league. Mm-hmm. You, have Drake, you have Drake May, the only guy who's seriously considered a possibly better quarterback than, than, than Caleb Williams as of this juncture. But I really, I the last couple of years, mental toughness, toughness overall, any defense has really not been a thing. And then on Miami's side, two new coordinators. Did they get both right? Did they get none right? I'm very confident that they made a good hire at the D.C. Like everybody I talk to seems to think that Gidry is a really good D.C. And, you know, had he not had the 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 arrests, right, a, a long time ago, to be fair, uh, probably is in a higher spot already than he had been. Like, he wouldn't have been toiling at McNeese State and Marshall. Uh, but OC, I don't know, right? Like, how does that work? It, is Van Dyke the 21 guy or the 22 guy or somewhere in between? But, like, those teams have a lot of, like, uh, very wide error bars. I don't know why you would have any questions about Miami's offense. Didn't you see that contract Justin Herbert just got? Come on. It's Mario is a QB whisperer. Man, that really killed Jeff Brom's line of like highest paid, uh, highest paid quarter, highest paid quarterback kids from Louisville, highest paid cornerbacks from Louisville. He's been using it's like uh, a really good hook. And then like as the day he's saying it, Justin Herbert splash. The uh, the from the chat, the steak fajitas at the ACC were really good. <laughs> like that was that was serious. Um, Chip, who had the best suit that you saw among the coaches? Coaches. I mean, I, this is like just because I just saw him downstairs. Halfley's sort of like maroon, you know, Boston College yeah. maroon colored suit looked really, really good. He's got a, you know, he's, he's a little bit shorter, slight of frame, but like a suit, he doesn't bulge out of a suit and he doesn't need to go right. overhead. Yes. Like he can he can get it well tailored and I, I liked the color a little bit. Halfley and Norvell are like the two like suit, like that's who you kind of want to model your stuff. Did you just hit Halfley with a too small? <laughs> He was a DB, right? Oh, he's, he's what do you think Jeff is? Like five ten? No. Five nine? He's shorter? I think he's shorter. Okay. But he's not five eight, but not like, no, but he's not like Jimbo short. Correct. 
Yeah. Okay. Five five nine um, is perfectly average height. Yeah. Um, uh, we haven't seen Dabo's suit. I mean, like Dabo. I saw know, him downstairs. He, suit. No, that, just plain. It's okay. probably white. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. So what suit? It's like Dabo, Elko. Like there's there's a bunch of people. There's a bunch of coaches that just like they've got their look and they go like like Dave Doran. Yeah. Oh, well, Narduzzi looks sharp. Narduzzi looked really good. Narduzzi looked really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you went with the tan like, suit. Think back to day one. Brom looked kind of regular. Fine. It's hard to wear Virginia Tech orange. Like pride, you know, like, <laughs> fine. Oh. Brom looked pretty plain. This will shock no one, but Max got on some ridiculous Jordans. Um, <laughs> and there was a hotel staffer that was while I was talking to ESPN's David Hale. We saw a hotel staffer walk by. And he like first looked and you could tell that he was like, oh, I, I know who that is. And then he like was looking at him. He looked down and he went, like, with really big eyes. <laughs> like, mm. Got the nod of approval for uh, for his sweet kicks. But kind of you know, kind of regular suit right there. Um, was Mario Nar- looked fine. Mario looked fine. Was Narduzzi muzzled? No. He suggested a salary cap. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't yeah. flying off naming names and coaches <laughs> and stuff like that. But he, he, I, I tell you what, we could have a we could have a salary cap in college football, like you know, on the NIL. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but I, I do think the guy who tweeted, like I went back and listened to the whole thing, and look, I do disagree with Pat on a good bit of stuff. I also think his beliefs are like sincerely held, and that just based on conversation I have with him, I do think he like legitimately cares about his players a lot, oh, and yes. cares about like looking looking out for them. You know, and and I was in the room, but it was an honest question. Yeah. It was, like, it was a, right. something we've talked about here on the Cover Three podcast, like a mailbag. Do you think he supports that, revenue sharing? Because I bet you he does. Like yeah. I, I bet you, if, if you hit him with follow, he's like, we should have a cap, but also revenue, like revenue sharing. You know, w- with the guys. I just think he wants a a more even playing field. And right. I think that guy would coach coach for free somewhere. Like if he was not being paid to coach college ball, I don't think he's working on finance. I think he's probably like coaching high school ball. Um, JJ in the chat says, does the change at offensive coordinator worry you about North Carolina and Drake may of uh, Phil Longo goes off. He joins Luke Fickle's Wisconsin staff. They bring in chip Lindsay from UCF, you know, longtime Gus Malzahn offensive coordinator. Uh Oh, what did chip freeze? Yeah. He froze for a second there. Am I good? Yeah, you're back. Uh, you are good now. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, one of my big, unless Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Sharp is hitting the button on me somewhere. <laughs> Let me be quiet. Um, this could work both ways, but like Freddie Kitchens is on that staff too. And like anytime that there's been a question about Chip Lindsey, both Mac Brown and Drake May start rattling off all the rest of the you know notable offensive coaches on that staff, which makes me think we might have kind of a by committee thing, which could cut both ways, right? Like either things don't go well and now everyone's sort of competing with each other and there might not be the the right chemistry, too many cooks in the kitchen, or they find a way to bring it all together. And a lot of that experience from a lot of different places is able to, you know, help Drake get to where he wants to be and help North Carolina's offense be more consistent, running the ball tougher at the line of scrimmage, all those things. But it doesn't, it, the, I realize this is just more than Chip Lindsey. That's what I've learned this week. This is not just going to be a Chip Lindsey offense. This is definitely going to be a gumbo with a lot of different flavors thrown in. I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, look, his offenses at Troy were awful, right? Um, but, you know, I, 
You didn't uh, have Drake May at Troy. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. Um, I don't know. Uh, di- oh, did we already discuss PJ Fleck? Man. Look. Breaking news. Staff, Some people find PJ Fleck out. to be weird. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> PJ Fleck is weird. It's a yes. It, it's, a, it's a different flavor based on what I've read so far. Okay, man. Yeah. It, you know what I've read so far that stands out? Is the Minnesota administration backing him up? Mm-hmm. It feels like a hit piece honestly, from the man. jump. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, they're like, oh, you mean like football program things, like not sexual harassment and hazing type stuff, just like yeah. regular football program things, and some extra exercising punishment might happen. Like other pro- other staffs definitely think he's weird, but also they're like, man, he gets kids to buy in, mm-hmm. right? And they they pull for each other and they love each other. So, yeah. PJ yeah. Fleck is somebody you either buy in or you just think he's an alien. That's re- there's there's very yeah. few in between. It's like a cult. I don't know. I mean, like I don't I don't want to bash the, the football programs are like cults. I, I, I know, like I'm I'm trying not to be dismissive of like someone's experience that was not my own that is obviously negative enough for them to run out and talk to somebody about it. But if if you want to talk about practical impact on college football, which is what we try to do with a lot of these stories is that if Minnesota's administration is coming out right off the jump and being like, uh, thanks for the suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of going about their business, then I just don't think there's going to be much to come from it. Now, does this lead to like a huge, um, you know, people keep digging, like all of a sudden more stuff comes out. Maybe we'll address that when it comes to it. But uh, I'm, I don't, I don't think that this is going to impact PJ flex employment at this time. I, I read the story I, I and there's more to this too. Not more bad stuff. I just think there's some. I can't report this firsthand. So um, people in the industry think that there are different motivations for certain pieces and things coming out. Interesting. Yeah, I I read it. And my takeaway from all it was just like, okay, I don't know what the allegation is. Other than he's weird. Um, Which we knew. Mm hmm. Uh, Biff Pogey at American Athletic Conference Media Days slamming the podium. I saw this. All right, so Tom, I actually have not gotten a chance to really like let this sink in, but it it to seems paraphrase the yeah, disrespect like, it really is worn on him. To paraphrase what happened, I don't remember the exact quote, but he got asked like what three questions at his press conference, and he just made the comment. He's like, oh, "I'm not surprised you've only got three questions for me, considering you've got us picked to finish last in the conference." <laughs> <laughs> man american athletic conference media days had a lot of salt michael like, resco was mad um ip addresses Dilford came out i i like trit i'm not sure how many ex, how many more players on uab anybody actually wants that has nil to play with yes yeah, and it can be an interesting year of action in the american athletic conference as we uh we, we get to see a lot of spice and flavor coming from them this week as well We will be back Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Come and hang out with us because we are going to be asking the question that everyone asks around this time. How many games are going to win this fall? To the Atlantic Coast Conference. Again, uh, the auction link should be in the episode description. So if you want to join us for Wednesday's ACC win totals, drop your best ACC win total bet. Be sure to get in on that. We enjoyed having Wade on, and you can be in the Wade spot coming up next week again on Wednesday. Hit the auction link, the ACC 
We'll be doing Monday and Wednesday. So be sure to come and hang out for that. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Happy birthday, Mom. Birthday, Mom.